Hey, before we jump in, um, just want to remind you that tomorrow night, um, I know many people are traveling, but the people who aren't traveling come back and bring their relatives. And tomorrow night's that time we have our candlelight service here, six o'clock, and it's just a really special. If you ever, if you've never been a part of that, you it would be a great opportunity to maybe invite someone, maybe a neighbor, um, or just grab the whole family and come. We do the candle lighting. It's just a time of music, a short, short little uh, sermonette, if you will. Um, maybe 10 minutes or so, but it's, it's just a great, great time of fellowship and a great time just to, to, to lift up Jesus Christ in this time of the year. So let me start off with a word of prayer. Father God, we, we do thank you once again for the privilege that we have to be here together and to worship you. God, I pray that right now that you would please allow each one of us to lay aside all of the other thoughts that we have about what needs to happen later on and, and this week and what happened last week. We just put all that aside and focus on the here and now. We just focus on you and your word and how your word can impact our lives. Allow us to receive the gift that you have for us this morning as a church and as individuals. And may we leave this place different than when we came in. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Okay, last year, about this time, I did a sermon on Joseph. Joseph, it's the first sermon that I've ever done on Joseph, and it was the first sermon I've ever really heard on Joseph. And it was a, it was a really great time. I enjoyed doing it, and people really appreciate it, because you don't really hear a lot about Joseph, even during Christmas, this Christmas season. But I thought, to be fair, if I talked about Joseph last year, I should talk about Mary this year. See, I think sometimes, not around Christmas, she gets good publicity around Christmas, but a lot of times we ignore Mary in, a, in our evangelical churches, because of the overemphasis that some traditional churches put on Mary. Um, but be, just because of that, I don't think that we should be, just because of a theological error uh, from our perspective, I don't think that we should be forgetting or ignoring this incredible woman. Because I truly believe that the, the story of Mary has so much application to our own lives, our personal lives, every single day. As we study the the story of Mary, we can apply, we can draw so much from that story that we can apply to our lives today. So many important lessons that all of us can learn. So let's start by looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So the first lesson I think we can learn from Mary's story is that God can use all of us. God can use us. God wants to use us. He wants to use us. How many times have you been laying in bed or just by yourself and you're kind of contemplating and you heard the lie come into your mind that God can't use you? God can't use me. You know, he, he can use others, but he, he just, he, he's not going to use me for whatever reason that lie comes in. You know, you can settle into church and kind of sit there and listen, but God really is not going to use you in any powerful way. Maybe you're in junior high or you're in high school and you're thinking, I want to be used by God. Maybe you're younger and I'd like to be used by God in some way, but I don't know how God's going to use me. I'm too young. I'm too young. But then you think, wait a second, let's look at the story of Mary. Mary was most likely 12 or 13 years old when this happened. 
You say, well, how do, you, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says that Mary was pledged to be married. So she's pledged to be married. In Jewish culture at that time, girls could be engaged at a very young age. They wanted to get them engaged at a very young age to ensure that adolescent girls were still virgins before they got married. So they would get, they would get engaged very early, and then these, these engagements would go on. And so that's the way they ensured that. So, you know, Mary was very young, maybe 12, 13, 14-ish years old. And we see these pictures sometimes of Mary. Looks like she's about 30 years old and she's got it all together. You know, everything's working out for her. Mary was about 12 or 13 or 14 years old. So if you think for yourself, well, I'm too young. Oh, you're, you're too young. Well, the story of Mary tells you otherwise. Kids, teens can do incredible things for God right now. You don't have to wait until you get older for God to use you. I mean, think about David. Go through the Bible and think about the ages of some of the people that God used in such a powerful way. They were teenagers. They were young. But God used them, and He used them now. God's power is not limited by your age. You don't have to wait until you're older to be used by God. You don't have to wait until you're older to touch someone, to touch someone's life, to impact the lives of others around you. We're in, that, we're in this series, Touch One. And Mary's story tells us you don't have to be a certain age or whatever, whether you're older or younger, whatever the case may be. If you're still breathing in and out, God wants and can use you. So that whole idea of like, you know, I'm too young and God can't use me, wipe that out of your mind. Number two, Mary's story tells us that we are not limited by our circumstances. So many people in our culture are completely feel like they're completely limited by their circumstances. I mean, they're born and before they even know it, they're giving up on life because generational poverty or my grandfather never went, so I'm probably not going to go to college or whatever they did. And so they, they get this, they have this limitation But Mary's story teaches us that we are not limited by our circumstances. Some people will say, well, you know, you're not really, you don't understand. I'm I'm kind of poor, so I don't think God can use me because I'm poor. Or maybe you had had more money in 2006 or 7 and then 2008 hit, and now somehow God can't use you as much as he did back back in the early, early 2000s or in the 90s because you don't have as much resources you had back then so God can't use me and many of you are in a situation where you are really you're struggling financially and so you think to yourself you believe the lie that God cannot truly use you in a powerful way because you don't have the resources you need to make an impact on the lives of others but then all of a sudden we realize wait a second Mary was poor she was poor In Luke chapter 2 and verse 24, it says that when they were consecrating Jesus, when they brought him to the temple, they had to bring a sacrifice. And so Mary and Joseph brought a sacrifice, and it was two doves. And some of you think to yourself, well, well, big deal. Well, it it was a big deal because if they had resources, if they had the money, they would, would bring a lamb. The reason they didn't bring a lamb was because they didn't have the resources to buy a lamb. So they brought two doves with them. They were poor. They were struggling. But then as I wrote this, I started thinking to myself, wait, a couple little side notes here. Uh, One, I thought, isn't it amazing that they brought the two doves, but in reality, they did bring a lamb. 
God provided the lamb. I mean, they brought the lamb of God. They brought the lamb of God with them. So, they, so God provided the lamb. And another little side note here. They couldn't afford an inn. And you're thinking, well, of course they couldn't afford an inn. says that, oh, wait, wait, I have that all the time, all my life. They couldn't afford an inn. The innkeeper told them, you know, here, no room in the inn. The word that Luke uses in the Greek, kataluma, doesn't mean inn, like you would think of an inn, like a hotel or a mo- like an ancient hotel or a motel room. The word kataluma is a guest room in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a residence so it's not, it's, not an, it's not an inn like a hotel or a motel. It's a guest room in a private residence. It could, it could, it could be the, maybe relatives. They were trying to stay with their relatives. Everybody was coming into town, going through all of this, and there was no room for them in the Cataluma, which means the guest room in that residence. So they, were, they had to go this kind of, in many of the houses, you can go out the bottom of the house. The houses are built that way. It's kind of like, the, not, not a walkout basement or anything, but so, you know, just picture something like that. And they would, that's where the animals would go down there and they try to clean it up and everything, but that's where they had to stay. And if you want to do a little, a little reference here, Luke, uh, later in Luke, when Luke talks about the parable of the Good Samaritan, he used a different Greek word to describe the inn, which actually was an inn, because he goes to the innkeeper and he says, hey, he brings a guy over and he says, if it, I'll give you this, and if you, if you need any more, I'll make sure I'll cover it, he says to the man. But if you want to do a little study for yourself, go and see if you can find innkeeper anywhere in the, in the Bible in the story of Jesus' birth. You're not going to. It's not there. Cataluma was a guest room in a private residence. So they didn't have, they were poor. These people were poor. They were struggling. They didn't have the money. But here's the reality. They didn't need that. You don't need, you don't need huge resources to impact people's lives. You don't need all these resources and all this stuff to make a difference in someone else's life. All you need is to be able to reach out, take their, take what you have in your heart, reach out to someone else and give them something that you have from within. I was, I, I don't shop very much. I don't even shop very much at, at, at Christmas, but I was at Target yesterday picking up, you know, I just kind of walk through. I've actually made it through Walmart one time without stopping. I walked in, grabbed the car, kept on going, walked all the way through, handed my money to the person. I was, I was getting dog food. I got a big bag of dog food, shoved it in my cart while I was still moving, kept on going, handed the exact change, and out I went. And it was like, you're not, you're not, you don't sound as excited as I was. <laughs> I was excited, man, because I didn't have to stop. I'm not a big shopper, okay? Usually Deb brings all my clothes home for me. I try it on there, and then she brings it back to the store. Uh, uh, but I was at Target yesterday, and I'm walking out, and, and it was like, this is Christmas in a nutshell, and I'm not being critical, I'm just, it's just true. There's a guy in a little hatchback, and he had a 196-inch screen TV, and he's trying to fit it in the back of his hatchback, and more of the TV was sticking out of his car than was in his car. And I actually walked back and chuckled, and I thought, don't chuckle too loud, you know, people get upset about it. But I walked back with my, by with my little bag, and this guy, and he's got two guys from the store trying to stick in the back of his car. And I, I mean, it was almost the car was going to like flip up, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm walking away laughing, thinking, "Oh, look at this guy," you know. And and it came upon me. I thought to myself, you know, touch one, touch one. I had my little Toyota truck, my little red Toyota truck, and so I walked back to the guy. I got about 20 feet away. I just, I thought, "Oh, I don't have time for this," but. 
what's he going to do? So I walked back and I said to the guy, I said, hey, man, uh, where do you live? And he said, oh, um, I, I have a truck, too, but I, I should have brought it with me. And I live, I live and he, and he was someplace way far away. And he said, you know, hey, but I really appreciate the fact that you would ask, you know, I, I appreciate you stopping and asking. And you see, you don't have to come up with, you know, you don't have to have all kinds of resources in, in order to touch people's lives, to impact people's lives. Now, when I left, I thought to myself, the guy's probably thinking, yeah, buddy, I'm going to throw my big TV in the back of your truck, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, my little red truck. Woohoo! Hey, family, Merry Christmas. You know, he goes that way. I go that way. It's like, well, he didn't know I was a pastor, <laughs> but it was a nice TV. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> Throw all your Christmas presents in the back of my truck. I'll meet you at your house. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you think about that stuff afterward. I would, <laughs> but you don't have to have huge resources in order to make a huge difference in people's lives. I mean, Jen was saying it before. Love that song that she wrote. And she was, you know, she was talking about the anticipation of giving a gift to someone, you know, offering a gift to someone. And, and a lot of times it's not something you maybe bought. Maybe you bought it, but you really gave a lot of thought to this gift. And that person has wanted it for years or you made something and you give it to that person. And a lot of the gifts that we have, I mean, how many of you have like homemade ornaments that your kids made hanging on your tree? Right, man, you, you, you protect that ornament. You know, that, that's, a, that's an amazing gift that your, your child gave you. So you have that ornament. It doesn't have to cost in order to make a difference. You don't have to have a lot in order to make a huge impact on someone's life. And that's what the story of Mary teaches us. It teaches us that we don't have to have all those things. Mary's story also teaches us that God's not limited, like I said, by, by our, our circumstances. God is not limited by our circumstances. And I'm going to tell you, for, I, I, I'm so happy about that because I know where I grew up. God is not limited by my circumstances. That's not, that's, not what, that's not important. God can make a difference in our lives without it. Mary's story teaches us also that it doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter where you start. He, he's not limited by your circumstance. He's not limited by your age. And it doesn't matter where you start. That is so important to so many of us, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I, I didn't start off so well. I didn't grow up in, all, in, in the best place, and I had struggles as I, as I faced my life, as I grew up. But it doesn't matter where I start. Some of you are thinking, you know what? You don't understand, Pastor Jeff. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. Now, when I say that, some of you are thinking, yeah, those people on the west side. And other people are thinking, no, those people on the east side. I had to learn that in Cincinnati. I come, when I first moved here, I'd say, Didn't, now, were you born here? And they, oh, no, no, I was born on the west side. <laughs> like, what is that, 15 minutes away? That's my point. You know, really, it took me a while. I know I was born on the east side. I was, I was just, I'm stuck here now because of whatever else, but I was born. I mean, east side, west side's a big deal. And so when I say you're born on the wrong side of the track, some of you think, you know, those west side people. And other people, oh, those east side people. On the wrong side of the tracks, you think that's, see, I'm born on the wrong side of the tracks. How is God going to use me? Mary was from Nazareth. Do you remember what Nathaniel said in John 1:46 about Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? That's what he said. Can anything good come from there? 
I grew up in a place where they said pretty much the same type of thing. They would say, can anything good come out of the New City Garden Apartments? You guys are always stealing stuff, and you guys are always getting into fights. And now I don't think one of you, a whole lot of you have a father. There's no fathers, and there really wasn't. That was true. We, don't, we didn't always steal everything, and we didn't always get into fights, and that's not the way it was. I mean, some of that was kind of true, but not, not, not the way they painted, not the picture that was painted of, of that environment. But not having a father, that was true. And so they said, well, you know, you, you come from a broken family. You guys are always fighting. You're always this and kind of nasty kind of environment. What good can come out of the New City Garden Apartments? But you know what's amazing when you're a Christian? It doesn't matter where you start. Some of you grew up in really difficult environments, some here, some around the world. You grew up in really stressful and challenging environments. What I love about being a follower of Jesus Christ is it doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you finish, and it matters how you finish. People would have never said that the Messiah, the king of the universe, the the one who will save all of mankind would come from Nazareth. But God had other plans. God had other plans. God loves to use people who come from struggling circumstances. God loves to reach down and pull people up and give them opportunity. God loves that because when God does that, when he gives someone who's in that position an opportunity, he is glorified. He raises them up and he is glorified. Because people say, what good could come from there? Could anything good come from wherever? See, Mary was chosen by God for one of the most important responsibilities in the history of mankind. And look at her background. Look at Mary's background. Look at where she started. And God chooses her for one of the most important responsibilities that has ever been given to anyone. Mary's story teaches us that no matter who you are or where you're from, God can use you. God can turn your life around and he can use you regardless of where you're from. You know, there are so many stories. And when we go to Mexico, we go to Nigeria, we go around the world. There are so many stories of people who live in such humble circumstances who have transformed so many lives because all they're saying is, God, use me. God, use me. Take, Take little old me, whoever they are, and use me. And God does miracles in their lives because they think, God put me in these circumstances. God is allowing me to be here and I'm going to be used by him in these circumstances. Remember what Paul said, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Do you think Paul was limited by his circumstances? I mean, when Paul was free, he was preaching the gospel. When they threw Paul in prison, he was preaching the gospel, right? Regardless of his circumstances, regardless of what... Didn't matter. Paul was preaching the gospel. We need to realize that God can use us in a powerful way. It doesn't matter who we are, and it doesn't matter where we come from. God can use us. And if you think you're not old enough, and if you think you're not powerful enough, or rich enough, or or strong enough, or whatever enough, think again. Think again. God can use you. God wants to use you. God's looking to use you. He just wants an opportunity. He just wants you to understand what Mary understood. He wants you to grasp 
this story and apply it to your life to gain a better understanding of what he's created you to do. God is just looking for humble people to accomplish his plans and you can be one of them. That's who he wants to use. Rich, middle class, poor, it doesn't matter. He's looking for humble people who he can use to accomplish his plan in this world. And the great thing about the body of Christ is we, we all are brought together using all of our gifts and all of our experiences. There are certain people, I sit down with people sometimes and they tell me their story and I, I, I sympathize, I really do. I sympathize with what, they, with, with what they went through. But I can't empathize because I hadn't been through it. And so I can say to them, I give them advice, I'll give them wisdom, I'll share with them from the word of God. But then I say, hey, I'd like you to go talk to to Susan. I'd like you to go talk to to John. I'd like you to go talk to whoever. They've experienced the same thing you've experienced. I think they can speak to your heart. And those two people come together. God can use you, whatever you've been through, whatever your circumstances, whether you put yourself through it, whether someone else put you through it, whatever the circumstances, God can use it for his kingdom and for his glory. He's just looking for humble people. Okay, in Luke chapter 1, verses 28 through 33, it continues. The angel went to her and said, Greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. This passage teaches us, it teaches us that, that, that whatever challenges we face, God is with us. God is with us. And I'll explain that as I go through this process. Okay, Mary, there, angel comes. Mary hears this message. Mary, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. I mean that, I'm thinking to myself, if I'm Mary, I'm thinking, you kidding me? <laughs> really, come on. I mean, we're talking about humans here. These aren't, these, they, this is not Jesus Christ, okay? These are human beings. Don't be afraid, Mary, you 12 or 13 year old little girl. Don't worry about it, you know, don't be afraid. If I'm Mary, I'm thinking, I got a lot to worry about here, okay? I got a lot to worry about. You think about her circumstances. You think about what she's going through. Let's think first. She has to deal with her family. Her family could have rejected her. Let's walk into a scenario in Mary's house. Mary's, let's say, 13 and a half years old. We'll just kind of pull it there. Mary walks up to her parents. Now the, whole, the, the, the angel comes, the Gabriel comes to her and tells her, you're, you know, you're going to be pregnant. Now she's pregnant. Now where's she going to go? She has to go and talk to her parents. Mom, Dad, I have some incredible news. I'm pregnant. Now, I don't know about you. Now, just picture your parents' face here for a second. Okay? Your mom's probably the disappointment or whatever else. She didn't know what to do. Your dad, Josh, told me a couple, like two or three weeks ago, he called me the big guns. And I was, and I was hoping he meant my arms. But what he was saying was, he was saying, you know, dad, moms are small guns, and Kim and Jenna are little smaller guns, but you're the big guns. He said, because your eyes... 
When you don't want something, you want me to do something, he said, your eyes. And he said, you're just, mmm, these are big guns. And he's, you know, I give him the eyes. Now, you can imagine her dad giving her the eyes. But Mary's response to this is, don't worry about it. I'm carrying the Son of God. Makes it all better. I mean, think, who, no, wait, who's believing this? Mary's so young. Think about her background. Think about how young she is. Think about all the things that we, we just described there. Young, wrong side of the tracks, whatever you want, whatever, whatever. And then, then not, no, now we have to go and move on to Joseph, who she's engaged to. So Joseph, his first reaction is, in his mind was, obviously, she's committed adultery. She's committed adultery. So Joseph's, you know, what he, what he says, basically he's going to divorce her. Because Joseph, in order to get out of the engagement, according to Jewish law, he had to divorce her. It wasn't the same as it is today. He couldn't just say, I can't believe this. The engagement off. He had to divorce her. And it wasn't until the, the angel, in a dream, he was told exactly what the angel told Mary, that he responded. But can you imagine, can you imagine Mary's feelings of now, this is, this is, this is what's happening to her, my parents, my, my uh, engaged to Joseph, and then you, then you have to bring in her friends and her community. Can you imagine, can you just imagine the gossip and the rumors you're sitting there. If you're at that age right now, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and that age kind of group, I'm not, obviously, 9-year-olds are not the same as, as 18-year-olds, but it matters to you what people think and say, doesn't it, in school? It matters what your peers think. It matters what people in your community think about you. Can you imagine the rumors that must be going on? Can you, can you imagine the gossip that is going on when, when this first when this is, is first told, what, and just the, it really I'm talking about Mary's thought process, all that she would have to be concerned about. The piece of people on Nazareth would have accused her of committing adultery. They weren't going to believe her story. I mean, who, who's going to believe that story? She would have been shunned by her friends. And let's not forget here that stoning was still an option. Something like this happens, stoning is still an option. See, the only thing that kept Mary going, the only thing that gave Mary strength was knowing that her God was with her. Going back to my original point. The only thing that kept her going, the only thing that gave Mary strength was knowing that her God was with her. Mary's story teaches us that no matter what problems and stresses and trials and difficulties we face, our Lord is with us. We need to own that this morning. We need to believe that this morning. Regardless of what we go through in life, we can know, we can know, Mary knew that God was with her. That is the only way she would have handled this kind of stress, this kind of difficulty. It's the only way to know that her God was with her, that he was going to stand beside her, that he was going to carry her through these difficulties. He knew, she knew that her God was with her. And we can know this morning that our God is with us. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, it reminds us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And it goes on. So we say with confidence, Let's say that again. So we say with confidence, 
The Lord is a helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I love that. I love that passage. What can man do to me? Why? Because God is with me. My God is with me. With all the cultural pressures to give in and to, and to go along with everything they're shoving on us constantly, we can know, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You can have confidence that I am with you. What can these people do to you? What can they possibly do to you? See, when you know God is walking with you, you get courage. You have strength. When, you, when you're not sure if God's walking with you, then you kind of give in to peer pressure and cultural pressures. But when you know the Lord God is by your side, when you know the Lord God is carrying you through your difficulties, when you know the Lord God is not going to ever leave you or forsake you, then you stand strong. It is so comforting. When, we're, when, we are, when we are confronted with life's challenges, to know that our God is with us, that our God stands with us all the time. Each Christmas, we hear the name of Jesus, Emmanuel. We hear that all the time, especially during Christmas. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Our God is with us. I find, I find so much encouragement from the Word of God. Because whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, one thing is clear. God is walking with His people. God is standing with His people. Old and New Testament, Genesis to Revelation, God is standing with His people. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 12 says this, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. And when Jesus comes to the, into the world, that truth takes on even greater significance, even greater power when Jesus Christ comes into the world. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, it says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. God, the Word, God, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. He is always with us. We are never alone. As much as you're struggling this morning, as much as you don't always feel it, God is there. Never will I leave you. Never will I sit you. I will walk with you every step of the way. I will walk you through bankruptcy. I will walk you through these difficulties, this relationship difficulty. I will walk you through whatever this world throws at you. We will walk together. Your mistake, someone else's mistake, someone, whatever the case may be, I am going to get you through this. I will get you through this. This is what Mary's story teaches us. God came to earth and lived among us. He is God with us. God with us. It's so encouraging to know. This is a story, some mythological whatever. This is God coming in the flesh to live among us. We have the Son of God. We have the Spirit of God who is always with us. Whatever we're going through, whatever you're going through this morning, whatever you're experiencing, whatever challenge you're facing, you can know that God, our God, is by your side. By your side. I remember, I don't know, you probably have these, these hanging out, and you've been Christian for very long. 
somehow it's for Christmas or you find it somewhere, but it's that footprint in the sand. It basically talks about, you know, how the person saying, I was doing this, I was doing this. Lord, you know, that I find only, when I was going through this road a hard time, there are only one set of footprints in the sand. And basically, Jesus says back, that's the time I carried you. Those are the times where I carried you, and that's the truth. You go through the hardships of life, you wonder how you got through, you wonder how you ever got through your childhood. You wonder how you ever overcame what you've overcome. Never let let you. He'll never forsake you. And regardless of what the world has thrown at you, how the evil of this world has impacted your life, God will help you overcome. He will walk with you. He will stay with you. He will help you in your life. Another truth that Mary's going to teach us is that we can trust God to overcome our situation. We can trust God regardless of our situation or our circumstances. We can trust Him. We can trust in Him. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, how will this be, Mary? Since I am a virgin, you shall answer the Holy Spirit come upon you, and the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy Spirit will be born, will be called the Son of God. He took the Lord to the birth of the child in the old age. And she who is said to she who is said to be bound within her sixth month. Nothing is impossible with God. She says, I am the Lord's son, Mary answered. May be to me as said that the angel Mary trusted and believed God to be possible. I think the world is 
it's not going to be the only human being in the circumstances, if you will. So that he's not going to fix the picture on the picture, and then you're not going to handle what comes next.
Thank you. 